So, so this, the problem that I find, Dwayne, and you might want to uh, give your input on this, is that I think that a lot of school owners don't know what to do. And by the way, that's why taking it to the next level was so popular. And I think I should probably revise this program. Uh, I've been thinking a lot of it more and more because it literally trained people how to become business owners. They didn't just throw them in the role of being a business owner and in their lack of knowledge just start picking at systems of what they thought would be good. They got to follow a successful entrepreneur like myself that had school success for many, many years, and I told them exactly what needed to be learned to be able to reach this pinnacle of success. For over 260 episodes, Dwayne Brummett and Ali Albarigo have been sharing how to take your martial arts school to the next level. Welcome to another edition of SchoolOwnerTalk.com. Now here's your host, Dwayne and Ali. Hello, Dwayne Brummett here with Ali Albarigo, SchoolOwnerTalk.com. Ali, great to be with you, sir, and uh, congratulations hey. on No Shave January for you, huh? Yeah, exactly. I, um, I have to tell you, You're I don't want to be more want. and more like you. We're going to start looking like twins in a way. We had a, you know, I didn't wear black, but I wore black and, and white or gray in it. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm, it's funny. This is the furthest I've ever gotten with a beard before it drove me crazy enough to shave it off. And I'm at the point where I'm always scratching it. And, you know, it doesn't fill in quite the way. But, but Nicole loves it, and I'm going to try to keep it a little bit longer and see how long I can hold out. Uh, it gets better, man. Don't worry about it. It gets better. It gets hey, easier. did you, uh, yeah, it does. Did you see our, look at our new hoodies? Yeah, I like it, man. Nice. I like them. So, and we got our uh, our logo on the back. Oh, nice. I like it. Very, very cool, like military-looking with the patch on the side as well with the American flag. Yep, yep. So, yeah, very – I love this. This was – so, Kenny Bigby, uh, you know, our our friend Kenny Bigby, the former Navy SEAL, he he had one for his school. Uh, Dragonfly Martial Arts, and I loved it so much. I'm like, where did you get that? And so he sent me all the information so I could do it for my school. Ah, that's cool. Very tactical looking. I want to use that word, tactical. And, uh, yep. hey, by the way, it's it's not just No Shave January, but today is Inauguration Day. Like, how crazy it is. is it? We're on, we're on the morning of the inaugura- inauguration of a, a new presidency, and um, – Wow. I mean, it, it, it's crazy, like, how quickly time flies. And I have to tell you, I'm, I'm fielding calls from so many of my friends that, you know, were very upset that Trump lost. And, um, you know, I keep trying to let people know that, listen, no matter what it is, no matter what happens, as martial artists, we always look for the good in all we do. We look for the strategies on how, like, this is what we do. We're always the the person looking to find a way to defend against what if someone do this or did that, you know, what if they threw a hook punch? This is what we do. So we're, we're going to be, you know, always ahead of the game trying to figure out a strategy. And that's what I urge all business owners don't get. And I wrote a quote this morning as I was talking to one of my clients, I said, I'm going to write that down and post it on Facebook. I said, don't get caught up in the what ifs because that's going to be your own circle of turmoil. Um, and I said, oh, God, that's a good quote. And I quoted myself and put it up on Facebook because if we worry about the negative, all the things that are negative, we're always going to be caught up in that. So it's all about focusing on what we can do now, right now, to make things better. Yep, agreed. So uh, today's call is quite pertinent. I know that we've kind of uh, 
set up some stuff for individuals, you know, for our listeners throughout uh, the first uh, few weeks of January. And this being the third week of January, yeah. we think this is an important, important call, um, you know, mm-hmm. an important subject to uh, to talk about. But do you want to let everybody know what we're talking about? Yeah, well, um, so here's an interesting lead into this. And you and I chatted about this the other day uh, behind the scenes, I think. But um, so – we use Spark. Everyone knows that. Spark is one of our sponsors. Spark, literally, I, would, I could swear to you, and I'm not doing that, but I could swear to you that Ron Sell and Chung Park stole all my ideas, right? But I want to be clear in saying that I know that's not true, um, but what is interesting is that successful school owners know what to do and how to get it done. So when they develop this software, Spark, they know everything that needs to be done within a school, um, and they put it into their platform of, of software, right? So now when I was doing coaching many, many, many years ago and I had my online platform taking me to the next level.com, I had uh, 150 clients that would pay a monthly fee and I'd release different things to train them on how to run their business. And I came up with one central thing called the DNA because I wanted to know, like, you know, genetically, what does it take to run a martial arts school? So I came up with this thing, the DNA. And then one time when I was coaching one of my clients, um, and uh, his name is David Kay, and, uh, and that was, he still is David Kay, and um, I, uh, I asked him about the DNA, and he said, um, the daily necessary activity. That's what the DNA stands for, right? And I'm like, mm, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, but I never thought of it that way, right? It does now. So that was became the way that this has developed. And I had simply put together an Excel spreadsheet to share with my program managers. Because my dilemma and your dilemma and everyone else's dilemma is that we know what we want our staff and people to do. Sometimes having an employee um, doing a list of tasks and they'll do it in the order that they feel necessary. They'll get to what they feel is most comfortable. Um, They'll put off the things that are most difficult. So I said, listen, I gotta devise a plan that has a checklist of what needs to be done. And then I started to hear, like one time I had an employee a program manager, and they gathered all the other program managers together and said, listen, we have to have a meeting, and they, they, the one person spoke up for everyone. You know, I think it's unrealistic. You want us to do all these things, and it's too much work, and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, long story short, she gathered everyone like a mutiny against me. I fired her on the spot, which shocked everyone, um, uh, which like Sun Tzu, the art of war. You know, you cut off the general's head, and everyone else falls into line. But, um, yeah, I didn't like the fact that she went behind my back and had these private meetings to try to get everyone to gather together to go against me. But what I did take away from that is I needed to give them a list of things to do on a day-to-day basis in sequence and order of when I want it to be done and how. So I put together this DNA, the daily necessary activities. And that's what it became, a, a worksheet, a checklist of things that needed to be done each and every day each and every week, each and every month, so that at the end of the month you could have all the boxes ticked and you won't say, hey, I screwed up, I forgot to do this, that kind of thing. Yeah, look, let's back up a little bit and let's talk about, um, you know, the the fact that what gets measured, you know, actually gets done. Okay. And, you know, so you, you, you came up with this checklist, basically, right? And in order of importance, and we can talk about all of that, and we will, but I I think we've got to make sure, we've got to sell some school owners in the fact that if you're not measuring 
what needs to be done, then it's not going to get done. And so, uh, yes, we all know in our head that we have these 12 different items that we need to get done today and, and get them done in this specific order um, or even not in this order, whatever it is. But until we actually put it on, on, on paper or put it in a document or whatever it is and then start measuring those things, um, we, we're, we're, I think we're sometimes lying to ourselves and yeah. thinking that we, we, oh, I did that or that's really not that important or I can get to that tomorrow. Um, I, I think we're lying to ourselves. I mean, do you find that when you've coached uh, clients where, you know, they're not willing to yeah. follow the document and they just say, well, you know, I am doing that already. Well, here's the thing. Like I have one coaching client who is not a martial arts school owner that I coach them in their business. And, um, just a few days ago, I had a call to God meeting with them and said, you know, um, you have to do what we say we're going to do, you know. And I said, the, the problem that we have is being self-employed, it's like being an adult, right? You know, when you're a kid, your parents tell you when to get up, what to eat, when to shower, where to go, go to school, go to this activity. Everything's laid out for you. Um, it's the same thing with people who are in the military. They wake up at a certain time, they run drills, they do everything the military says for them to do. Um, you would think that those people come out as being the most highly disciplined, self-disciplined people. But when in all reality, once they get that structure stripped away from them, <clears throat> a lot of them are lost. They don't know what to do because they have no one to tell them, no one to motivate them, no one to get them up. And being self-employed sometimes is, a, is very dangerous because you or I today could just say, after we hang up this call, we're just going to stay in and we're going to watch TV all day or lay in bed. No one's going to tell us no. Because we're the final word, right? We're the boss. And so being well, a boss well, sometimes hurts us. And, you know, look, uh, and one day doesn't, in our minds, one day or one hour or two hours doesn't hurt us. You know, I can right. go ahead and uh, binge watch, you know, XYZ on ABC, whatever it is, right? Right. And, and I'm going to be okay. But I'm not. That's the right. that's the point that I'm getting I'm getting at is um our the most successful people have daily rituals, have a routine, have a schedule that they follow in order to be successful. And so right. they're they, they marry themselves to successful processes that allows that to happen. And without right. it Without it, it's like playing the lotto. And maybe right. I'll strike gold, maybe I'll win, but in most cases, almost in every single one of the cases, you don't. And and that's kind of where I wanted to lead into this with regards to the mindset. Um, the, you know, you called it the discipline. The, the, the mindset uh, has to change that I have to realize that I, I've got to follow these systems in order to be successful. And so, okay, so you that, know, you've you got, got to be married to those processes of success. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, no. I'm gonna, I was going to say, so, so that's so that's 100% true. Unfortunately for most school owners, self-employed business people, there's no manual in order to get done what you need to get done. So let's say Joe Schmo goes out, he opens up a school, he's a phenomenal martial artist, phenomenal technician. He's got a charismatic personality. And he opens up the school, and it takes off. People come in. They fall in love with him. He gets a lot of students. And now he starts looking towards um, business owners, coaches, consultants, organizations on what to do to run an even more successful school. 
So you or I, they ask us this question. We say, hey, do this and do that. And, and they go, oh, those are great ideas. Thank you, Dwayne and Allie. I love it, what you just told me. And now they start doing it, right? They, they, they start working on the process. But there are more systems out there, so now they start piling them on top. And all of a sudden, things get thrown to the wayside. They get forgotten. Things don't get done in the proper order. And there's no real strategy, no business system. And it's that old saying you and I used to always say, you don't know what you don't know. So if you don't know how to run a school and you haven't been in the trenches for 30 years, you're not going to know what to look for. I always say, well, hey, like there are wait, 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 let's back yeah. up because there's some people that have been in the trenches for 30 years and they still don't know how to run a, 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 sex, a successful school. Yes. So I just wrote a post yesterday about um, some guy genuinely, I think, asked on Century Martial Arts or one of the other business posts, he said, what is the term McDojo? What does that mean? Can someone explain that to me? So I went off and said, listen, a McDojo is normally the description of a school that's successful or it has some success and it's being talked about by a school owner or a martial artist that has no success. So they'll, they're mad at the school for being successful, so they call them a McDojo because they're kind of justifying their lack of success because they're not successful because they're doing it right, but the successful person is doing it wrong because he's got to be a sellout because if I'm a failure and I can't get my school off the ground, but I'm a great martial artist and I have integrity, then I must, they must be selling out, right? So I said, don't even pay attention to the term. I don't know whoever, whoever developed it was the guys that I just explained. I said, yes, there's truth to some schools being belt factories. They just promote and do things and they have no morals and ethics, but they're very, very small and few between. There are those martial artists out there that are fakes and frauds, and they even sell belts now that are weathered master-level belts, so you look like you've been wearing your belt for 25 years. Meanwhile, you've only been in the martial arts for five. Um, so, so, yeah, running a school, right, for 25 to 30 years, you tend to pick things up along the way if you're a business owner and you're doing it right. If not, you could be in the same rut, doing the same thing in your garage, in your basement, in the YMCA, teaching 10 or 20 students and not experiencing any success whatsoever. And by the way, if that's their choice and they, you know, they're, I know of a doctor, um, a master in Aikido, who's a very prominent doctor and he's a million, millionaire that runs an Aikido school and does it exactly how he wants. He could care less about making money. He doesn't care about any of that stuff. You just train and that's it. Cause money to him is not interesting. And, and you're running a business is not interesting. He just wants to teach his art. So they're different layers, right, of, of what that is. Agreed. I just think it's important for school owners to understand that there is a business mindset that has to be learned, um, yes. and everybody learns it at different paces um, mm -hmm. in order to be successful in not only just this business, but right. any business. And the nice thing is these success principles um, of being organized, of being disciplined, all those things, are universal. You can use them yeah. in the martial arts business as much as you can use them in, you know, uh, the occupational uh, therapy business. I mean, just it, yeah. it doesn't matter. They're all the same. They're interchangeable, which is nice. Yeah. So here's the thing. Um, and going back to why I developed the DNA, my program managers would say to me, listen, it's overwhelming. And now that I kind of, I just looked the DNA over and I have it up on my screen. I'm like, it is overwhelming. <laughs> like, now that I look back at it, I'm like, oh, my God, this is friggin' overwhelming. Like, but what I did was to break down that overwhelming feeling 
not every single task needs to be done on every single day. So you don't want to come in and start from A and try to get to Z every day. Maybe on Monday and Wednesday and Friday, you do all your callbacks. Like you're very good at, at uh, compartmentalizing what you do at certain times. Certain times you, don't, you won't be caught up in emails and text messaging. You have certain times throughout the day that you do certain tasks. So basically, my DNA was set up that very exact way. So it, let's say I was a program manager. I'd sit in the, in the chair. I'd open up the DNA, and it's, it's Tuesday, and I'd look on the tasks for, like, Tuesday, you know, week one. And, um, for instance, it says, check messages, return calls, confirm trial classes, day of, and next day. And, by the way, some of this is going to be outdated because most of it, I've, and, and I'll mention it, is automated. Um, missed trial calls and postcards sent. We don't send postcards. We send text messages and emails now, totally automated. Um, cold right. call lead, right? We have an automation process and a funnel that Spark has put together that does that. Um, referral calls, birthday cards sent out for the month, birthday party lotto sent out. And every single day was a different task. And you would check that box when it was done. And once your tasks were done, you'd move on to other things that you had time for. But until those tasks were done, I didn't want my program managers doing anything. And they had it so I could follow them and say, okay, how come you didn't get around to the cold leads? You know, why didn't you do the birthday cards this month? You know, that kind of thing. Um, and, and by the way, we only send out a birthday card once a month. You don't have them sent out, you know, twice, twice, three times a month. For, you do it once, you have 30 kids, you write them out, boom, 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 done, stamp them and send them out. So this kind of took a lot of the pressure off my program manager's plates because now they weren't overwhelmed with a list of A to Z. It was only, like I said, look, it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven tasks for Tuesday that they'd have to do. That's it. And they check them off. I'd then review it and make sure they did it. And um, a lot of times, I have to be honest, a lot of them would just check it off and say they did it. So that was a big problem because it was easy as checking a box and lying about it. I'll get around it to tomorrow. I'll never know. Um, but nowadays, with a lot of these automations with you and I, we don't have to rely on human behavior. Um, we just have it set that it just automate, automatically sends out and goes out to the, you know, to the clients. Yeah. You know, the other thing that we did, um, and uh, I'm sure you did it too, is I always put an order of importance, uh, and it's still in play right now. So yeah. for me, a, a, a current client is the most important. So – Whatever we're doing, if a if information comes in, you know, via a current client, we're going to service them first. Right. Then a trial client is second, and mm -hmm. a prospect to us is third, uh, and then you know the general public is fourth. And so we right. have uh, you know we have order of importance uh, as well. So you know, part of what you're saying is yeah, you have these different tasks, but. For me, I also inserted, look, if you get a phone call and it's, it's a client, that supersedes whatever you were doing, and you take care of that yeah. client. You know, so I, I needed to make sure that, they, that my staff knew that there, was, there, there were perks to being a student, uh, but there was order, yeah. order of importance as well. And, and by the way, this task list is done in order of importance. So they're not going to jump on, which they would do. If I went in there and I saw it was they got in at 3, and it's 5 o'clock, and I checked their list, and they did the birthday party letters and the birthday cards. Um, first, I'd say, what are you doing? Because those are the easy things. You don't have to interact. So I had it. Check the messages. First, immediately check the messages and return those calls. Number two, confirm the trials the day of and the, day, the next day. 
Like, that was the first two tasks that they did the minute they got in. If they did them out of order, I was annoyed because I didn't want them to get to that later on. This is important right. to do the minute you sit down. Um, by the way, though, um, in the Franklin Covey planner and the program manager for Stephen Covey, not program manager, the Stephen Covey um, time management system, those little things that you had said, like a person walks in and says, hey, Mr. Brummett, can we have a talk? And, you know, or your program manager, can we have a talk? Um, you give them top priority. Um, that's called a mini fire. That's something that you didn't know was going to happen. It came up, but it had to be taken care of. You couldn't just let the fire smolder in the background because it might set the whole building ablaze. So you, but the program manager knew that they didn't have online ADD or ADD. They wouldn't say, okay, they talked to Mrs. Smith, they fixed the problem, and now they went to something else. No, they went right back to the checklist and started back with the check messages and return calls. So, so this, the problem that I find, Dwayne, and you might want to uh, give your input on this, is that I think that a lot of school owners don't know what to do. And by the way, that's why taking it to the next level was so popular. And I think I should probably revise this program. Uh, I've been thinking a lot of it more and more because it literally trained people how to become business owners. They didn't just throw them in the role of being a business owner and in their lack of knowledge just start picking at systems of what they thought would be good. They got to follow a successful entrepreneur like myself that had school success for many, many years and I told them exactly what needed to be learned to be able to reach this pinnacle of success. I, you know, how to, how to do those scripts. What were the scripts for those checking messages and returning calls? You know, what was the, and then I'd have a program that literally showed them and had modules of what they would do to learn that system. So they became a more professional business owner. And um, right. they were not only just doing the task, they were educated in why they should be done and how to do them, leaving them latitude and longitude to, adapt them to their own system in school, but giving them a platform so that they're going like, they wouldn't go like, what is a mistrial call? Okay, well, and then I'd explain it to them and I'd give them a script to do it and how to do it and how to get it done properly and professionally. So it was a very much step-by-step, five-level, five-year program, level one with the basics of running your business, level two, hiring employees, level three, investing in other, you know, uh, investments like real estate and IRAs and level four, you know, and it had five years of literal business training, almost like going to college and or mentoring with a guy like yourself and sitting by you every day and taking notes and going, oh, that's how you do it. That's what you do. This is why you do it. Teach me, that kind of thing. Right, exactly. Yeah, no, and I, and that's it's so important, it, but it's also it's also freeing to understand how to run your business um, and run it effectively yeah. on systems, you know, um, and that was one of the biggest takeaways for me with the book with Michael Gerber, you know, the E-Myth, um, yeah. was, was understanding the fact that uh, if I wanted to be a, uh, an entrepreneur, I couldn't be the technician, you know, I couldn't be in there every single day mm-hmm. doing every single thing. I needed, right. I needed to be the entrepreneur and work on my business as I worked in my business I also need to work mm-hmm. on my business so that I can be freed. And then, my, then, therefore, then my business can actually be an entity that is all systematized that doesn't need me to survive, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. And, no really, and, and really, I think that's the end goal for most school owners. Now, that doesn't mean if you build, if you build a school that doesn't need you anymore, it doesn't mean that you aren't in it or that you still don't teach, because you certainly can do that. But it allows you the freedom to step away 
even just even if you don't ever step away, it allows you the freedom in your in your mind, mm-hmm. in your spirit, to know that the business doesn't depend on you. The business depends on the systems running at all cylinders. Um, and that's just a freeing thing, if that makes sense. It is. And you know what's interesting? I just had this conversation with one of my coaching clients this morning, and it's, it's funny. It's got like two levels to the story. So they were talking about alternate investment, real estate, things of that nature. Um, and I said, well, what other investments do you have? And they said, oh, I do this and I do that. And I'm like, you know, there's one major investment you're missing. And they're like, what? I've, I've covered everything. And I'm like, your school, your martial arts school, that's your business. That's the moneymaker. That's where you bring in your livelihood. Yet you're not thinking of that as one of your major sources of investment. You're thinking that as uh, where I make my money, but investments are this. So we have to sometimes think about the future of our business and, and saying, you know, we, you know, we could invest more into that business to build its strength. Now, by the way, Investing more is investing in your staff, training your employees, finding a replacement for you if you need to step away. I basically have not been in my school for three weeks, not for uh, any reason other than we were off for the holiday. Um, then my fiance got COVID so that we were, she was quarantined downstairs, I was quarantined upstairs, um, and today's my first day back. I tested negative, um, and now I'm going back and finally teaching. I gave it the 15 days of time away. But I literally didn't step foot in my school for three weeks, and it's ran right. like without a hitch. I'm signing people up. I'm doing it online. I'm able to talk to people via text and email. Um, and uh, I have a program, a business that's running without me, technically. And that's where ultimately, God forbid, you ever get sick and you can't go in. What are you going to do? Tell the students don't come in this month because you have no one to teach for you? You better start thinking just even if it, you don't want to, get out of the school, but maybe, God forbid, you break a leg, you get hurt, you have kidney stones, whatever the case may be, and you can't go in, do you just shut down? You have to have some sort of successor plan in place. Well, not only that, um, you got to think of the end game. Um, At some point, at some point, you may want to get out of this business. Yeah. You might want to retire. And... If you have a viable business and you have a viable staff member that you can then sell the business to, you you have some equity in that business that that you can get a return on your investment throughout the years. But if you've not set it up in a way that that individual can succeed without you, because we all, look, when we all started our schools, didn't we all start it on our own personalities? Yeah, of course. Absolutely. And this is a personality-driven business to a certain degree. Right. But it has to run on processes and systems um, in order to be a successful business. So you've got to look at the end, end game. The end in mind is I may want to or I may have to get out of this business at some point, and the have to right. might be, you know, uh, you've got to move away or, you know, you are ill like you said, you know, whatever it is, it would yeah. be better off to have that all set up in advance so that you knew how to move forward uh, with regards to um, uh, selling it if you needed to sell it or wanted to sell it, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I usually um, – and by the way, that was level five of my program where I basically uh, – 
<laughs> I basically trained people to start setting it up so that they had what we called the Michael Gerber e-myth crap out date where they wanted to leave and uh, retire or, or air it to their student or sell it to their staff members. Or here's another option, step away and have someone run it for you and you, you know, you give them or you, you know, you, they get a hefty paycheck and you still get residual income from it every single month. Like a good friend of mine, a good a client of mine as well, their goal is to eventually move to a tropical island somewhere um, and live there the rest of their lives. And they want to have investments in place so that they can live that life on a tropical island and enjoy getting up in the morning and sitting on the beach and having a beautiful breakfast and, you know, whatever. Um, that's something that I think that we've gotten away from in the United States especially, where we're pretty much workaholics from the day we, we live to where we're born until, the, you know, and we get our first job and then the day we die. Um, you can want to work forever. You could be 75 years old. I have a friend who runs a jiu-jitsu school. He's 72 and se another one who's 73, and they're in better shape than I am, still teaching and actively in their school every day and so on. Yeah, but that's okay. That's all right. But you still need to have, you still need to have this all in place. Just right. in case, right? Absolutely, without a doubt. Um, yes, and, and there's where that building of those systems, right, that the DNA of success starts to come out in, in your, um, you know, in your succession plan or your uh, retirement plan. You know how many people get to a retirement age, finally retire and die? You know, like they've worked their whole lives off and killed themselves. And then finally when they get to enjoy their lives, they go to retire. And let's just say they move to Florida. And they don't do anything anymore. They get bored. They get depressed. And they end up dying from, you know, lack of activity. So you have to always stay active and do something that you love and that you want to do. But um, you also have to plan for the future. You know, and some people don't do that on a regular basis. So, Again, it, it all goes back to setting up that plan. Yep, absolutely. And I, I just hope that, you know, uh, the, the, the school owners have the buy-in. You know, it took a while. Right. We interviewed one of my clients, um, I don't know, maybe a year ago, whatever. I don't know if you remember when we interviewed Brent Kibitz. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, his Gotta goal was he wanted to quit. Yeah, he wanted to quit his job and do this full time. Um, right. The problem was that, you know, when we would talk about different things to accomplish to, to systemize, systematize a school and grow it to a position, um, it, it took him a while, and he would admit to this, you know, and he did on that podcast. It took him a while to actually, for lack of a better term, listen to me and actually do the things that I was telling right. him to do in right. order to then get to a position that he could quit his job. Um, now, you know, he says, man, I wish I would have done it sooner. You know, and don't we all? Like, yeah, we all yeah. say that about different we things always and do. we finally yeah. get it. We always do. Like, when I ran my um, landscape construction company and I was um, in it full time and then I'd come home and I'd take a shower and take a nap and come and teach at my dojo for four more hours a night, six days a week, um, I then finally said, you know what? I love martial arts teaching more than I love the business. I'm going to sell my business, and I sold it for a good chunk of money. Um, but the real thing was, like, once I made that step, I finally committed full-time to my school. That's when my school took off. Like, even though that I was yes. putting full-time effort into the school, like actually doing what I needed to do in the school, it still never officially took off 
until it became my sole source of income, my, my live or die. Um, and I always tell people, like, listen, you know, it's like actors. I just, I'm reading a book with Matthew McConaughey called Green Light. Very good book. Um, and uh, maybe we'll put it on our book reading thing next month. But um, Matthew McConaughey is, uh, you know, he talked about when he was starving for work. And then all of a sudden he got his first job. And then he got his second job. And all of a sudden he, made, he got his first Academy Award. And then he said he no longer had to have work. They just, scripts were coming in the mail every day begging him with checks attached to him to star in the next movie. Um, so, but it first had to do with the work, had to put the time in. And by the way, this is the biggest problem with, with martial arts schools is that, again, I'll go back to you don't know what you don't know. A school owner doesn't know what they have to do today. Like they really don't have a plan of action because no one's telling them. Uh, and that's why I loved my DNA. Again, it was, uh, it's something that I took so much time in developing and by the way, it had week one, week two, week three, week four, week five for the five-week months. Um, week two was slightly different. There were certain tasks that were done every Monday, Wednesday, Friday throughout the month. Um, but there were certain tasks on week two that we wouldn't do on week one. Like, for instance, it might have been like, uh, you know, doing your four to ten-week calls, two, four, six, eight, ten-week calls. That would be your four to ten-week calls. I wouldn't do two, four, six, eight, ten. I would just have Monday and Wednesday on week one, you'd do the two, four, six-week calls on week two, you'd do the four to ten-week calls on week three, you'd do this. So it gave them a better understanding of what needed to be done, you know, when to place orders, when to, um, you know, do different referral programs and so on, and, you know, parents' night outs and different things. It literally laid out from A to Z how to run your school and what to do. No guesswork, because I guarantee you, Half of the school owners out there are just guessing on what they what to do. Unless they're yeah. successful and they've developed their own plan, they're guessing. Like right now, they're sitting in their chair, and they've been whimsically um, allured into watching our podcast, right? So maybe this is yeah, their education, exactly. right? Or they are caught up in the thick of things, in the day-to-day. -day. Whatever presents itself is where they focus. And um, that could be a trap. That's a pitfall. And you could certainly go down that rabbit hole. And um, so who tells them what to do, when to do it, so that they know every day what to do? Yeah, two years ago is when we interviewed Brent. So October 3rd of 2018. So I just put it in there. It's awesome. episode 186. And you guys go back and listen to that episode. Um, Great. And if you're... If you're listening to this on, on iTunes or something in, uh, or Spotify or whatever, just go to schoolintertalk.com, and then uh, in, in the search bar, just type in, um, you know, episode 186 uh, and, and type in the 1, the 8, and the 6, and then it will come cool. up. But, uh, we'll, you know, in that episode, we go over, uh, you know, how he really needed to come up with those systems. Because um, it, right. it's funny, right? We uh, – I did this. I did this. I, I kid you not. Um, I was uh, one of Stephen Oliver's coaching clients, and it took okay. me about six months and he finally just beat me over the head and said, Dwayne, when are you going to do what I told you to do? Right. Yeah. And, and I kid you not, I did it. As soon as I did it, like maybe the second month after I, I – maybe the one month after I did it, I don't remember which, I had my best month ever. I did a $46,000 month that month. Yeah. yeah. You know? And so uh, we, we put ourselves under the tutelage – of our martial arts instructor 
And wouldn't you agree, we all go through this, we get to a position that we we then feel like, oh, I know just as much as them. And right. so then we go and we try to do it on our own. And then right. we go back and we go, you know, I'm sorry, Sensei uh, uh, or Shihan, I, I, I don't know as much as you. Can you teach me more now? You know, I mean, that yeah. not that what we do? No, no. Um, but I agree with you, but I'm going to say no, because most people don't do that. They never go back to their instructor and admit, that they made a mistake, they get stuck in their rut, and they just keep on doing what they have capability of doing. But you're 100% right on the other stuff where we think that we're smarter, better. And, um, you know, I have this happen where people coach with me, and they gain a certain level of success, and they go, okay, I'm all done coaching. I'm like, yeah, but you have, like, more, way more layers. To, we could unfold a new thing and keep on growing as a business owner until you get to the point where I can no longer teach you. Um, but by walking away and stopping, you're ending up kind of cutting yourself off from more education. So, um, I mean, I have some coaching clients who have been with me for five years. You would think and go, like, what are they doing for five years? Well, we always find things and refine things and change things and add things, and, and, and things change. Like, COVID came in. Like, boom, that was something we never expected, so we worked that out together. Um, we figured things out together. We set plans of action in together. So, yeah, I, I think the biggest thing that people should listen to, and um, I don't want this to go unnoticed, is that you should ask yourself, do an inventory. Remember, Dwayne, we talked about a journaling, and I would get my clients to journal. I'd say start off on Monday morning. The minute you wake up, you take a little pad, boom, and you write down, woke up at 830. Okay, what would you do next? I went to the bathroom. I spent an hour and a half in the bathroom. Okay, that's got to change. What did you do? You know, change your diet, you know, whatever it is, right? And then what's the next thing you do yeah, throughout the entire – right, exactly. Stop looking at YouTube videos while you're sitting on the, on the toilet, right? Um, go in there, do your business, and get out and go to work, right? So um, I always say to people, too, that, you know, you, if you journal from the minute you wake up to the minute you go to sleep at night, legitimately write down every single thing you did – you're going to shock yourself at how inefficient you really are and how much time, because, you know, that old saying, um, there's 168 hours in a work week, right? And, um, you know, you, let's say you sleep eight hours a night, you know, eight times, you know, whatever, seven days, um, 50, 60 hours a week you're sleeping. And how much time do you spend in the bathroom a day, half an hour in the morning, or maybe some people an hour in the morning, an hour at night, that's two hours a day times seven days, that's 14 hours a week. You're going to find at the end of the week, you're going to have so much time that you can't account for what you did. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't relax. I want you to relax. In fact, I want you to relax more than ever because you are so efficient at getting what you need to get done in a shorter oh, amount of yeah. time. I want you to take that time to live your life. I don't want your life to be wrapped around work. I don't want your life to be identified with, I just sat on my computer all day. And I find myself, my mom said this to me when she was here um, visiting she said, man, you spend an awful lot of time in your office on that computer. And I'm like, you're right. This is what I do during the day. This is my job. But she's right. Like, So I would make sure that I'd shut off after I was done teaching at 7.38. Boom. The rest of the night we'd eat dinner. We'd watch TV together. We would relax. Sometimes in the afternoon I'd take lunch and spend an hour with her and my daughter. You know, so we have to really look at our timing and our schedule. And I think that everyone should journal. Um, and we did do a whole entire call about that as well, about figuring out where your time wasters are. And by the way, after you're done journaling for an entire week, which is very difficult, 
two weeks is nearly almost impossible. And I challenge people to try to do that. Um, however, uh, then you could go through and say, okay, morning ritual could be highlighted in yellow. You know, um, nutrition is green. Uh, business is blue. Spirituality, like meditation and working out on your own, is green, you know, orange. You know, and you go through and see, like, what your day is kind of comprised of and find out. We talked about this last week, right? I had a client who loved playing guitar. He wanted to be a rock star. He ended up learning guitar and got addicted to it. He was playing his guitar 60 hours a week. We would do coaching, and I'd say, this epi journaled. And I was like, you played guitar from, like, one to four, and then you taught? Like, for three hours, you did that? Like, what did, why didn't you market your school or promote your school or, you know, do something for your school? Like, you just want to be a rock star. Then quit your, sell your school and go out and try to be a rock star. But don't put that much time and waste all your time into something that's not going to benefit your future, right? Make sense? Yeah. Yeah, open up the phone book and just start cold calling people. <laughs> exactly. And by the way, how many people don't do stuff like that? Don't do things like they're like, oh, I have nothing to do. Okay, well, call some people. You know, go out and knock on stores and, and hand out your flyers. Like, people get lazy. They want to do – that's right. why people love Facebook. Yeah. Right, it's easy. You don't have to do anything. It just the leads come to you, and that's. And by the way, if it's working, that's great. But I'm still constantly. I just had a guy sign up for a trial class that liked one of my ads. He just liked the ad, and we've talked about this in the past. So I, I inboxed him. Hey, I noticed you liked my ad. Do you have any questions? Oh yeah, in fact I do. I was going to sign up for your free month, but I didn't get around to it. So I'm like, okay, let's do it right now. Okay, boom, coming in for a trial class because I followed up and I followed through. Who knows whether he really would have done that? Maybe he would have forgot about it. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's so important. But if you don't have that as as a uh, as a system, right? It's not going to happen. Right. Exactly. It's not happen at all. So yeah. So yeah. So, so the, you want me to... the, the, I was just going to say the daily necessary activities for your school are so important. You may not know exactly what they are, but yeah. As you go through and you start you start looking at the things that have to be done that you'd like to get done. Um, and start writing them down, you'll come up with what works for you. And really, right. you know, what you had in your DNA, um, yeah. because I, I have your DNA, you know, what you had in your DNA, um, there was things that I added and there was things that I, you know, took out that didn't apply to me. Yeah. Or there's other yeah. things that I wanted to add that you weren't doing. It's not that mine right. was better and yours was worse. That It's oh, just no. all personal. But it's the fact that yeah. you have some sort of structure in your school uh, to operate your school from. And then, you know, once you implement it, I would, send a, I would then say go back and review that system. Probably once you implement it, I would say review the system every 30 days and make sure right. that it is doing what you want to do. I mean, review it on a daily process, too, especially if you're the one that's doing it. Yeah. But I'd go back and review it every 30 days, and then once you dial it in for three months, then go back and you just review your systems every 90 days and see what's working, what isn't working, what needs to switch or change, or new systems that you've thought of that you then want to implement and put in, because that's going to happen. You're going to think of something right. new, and you're like, oh, yeah, I need to put this in, and here's how I'm going to do yeah. it. Well, here's the thing, too, and it's quite interesting because um, we love Spark, um, Spark has everything that you probably ever need. However, 
It doesn't tell you what to do and when to do it. So I have many clients, over 30 of them, that I've referred to Spark, and they became members. Um, interesting, I had one friend of mine that um, I just talked to who's doing pretty well. I mean, he's doing like 25 grand a month and more billing volume. Um, I just reached out to him and said, how's Spark doing? He says, I have to be honest, my guys entered data and take it out, and that's all I use it for. I don't really use anything else. I'm like, you don't use anything, automations, texting. Oh, yeah, I send some text out every once in a while. Like, there's – Spark is like um, – I'm trying to think of what – what, let, let's just say that it's a, a spider web of different things. And in most people that are using it are only using, like, three – three strings of the web. The rest of it hasn't been completed. And um, I'm constantly, I have to say, I honestly coach with my coaching clients, and I'll go into their Spark, and I'll say, you never made that automation on, on new client prospects, or you don't have any kind of follow-up system with text messaging. You're not using, you don't have any landing pages or, or checkout pages. You're missing out on so much of the power that this software has. Um, but, again, it goes back to you don't know what you don't know, so let's just use it for billing. Let's just send out a few text messages. And that's good enough for me. It works great. I'm, I'm organized. And, but if you have all this software, imagine Spark had, and, and maybe come up with this, um, I'd love to be involved in the process, and having like a DNA where people could open it up and go, you know, these are the tasks that need to be done. Click on it. It will bring them to the page for them to set up the 24680 we call automation or the this or the that or the so on and so forth. And that's what I would do. I would give them the list of what needs to be done in my program, and then I would teach them how to do it and explain to them and give them all the tools they needed, and they would implement it and start doing it. And then they'd move on to the next thing. And uh, there has to be some formalized education so that they know what they know, not they don't know what they don't know, you know, because so they, they need to yeah. know, like, hey, I have this powerful program. I guarantee you, guarantee you that 90% of the Spark people are not using that software to its fullest potential. Yeah, that could be. I mean, I know that there's there's things that uh, I probably don't use to its fullest potential either. Yeah, and there's some things I don't even know about. Like, they always are coming out with something new. Um, and uh, I'm like, oh, wow, that's cool. You know, like, oh, I'm going to use that now. Um, so th that's also with, with, you know, software development. They're like, they have a new bell and whistle. They have a new function. They have a new this. And they actually did well. I gave them a, a recommendation. Again, probably other people gave it too. But I said, you should really um, add on at the top of Spark. When I open it up, it says, we just added in all these new things. We just updated all these new things so that I know, like I have one place to go to. I don't want to follow your Facebook page and read through all the posts. I just want to open up my software and know that you added in a new checklist to follow up on blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, there it is, new stuff. I'm going to use that. Boom, right away, get it done. Yep, agreed. Um, you know, the other thing I was going to say, too, with regards to creating the schedule, uh, creating the, the task list of, of right. you know, what needs to be done, not only, like I said before, you need to review it and make sure that it's still something that, that you, you, you want to do or still needs to be done, but um, look at that task list and see what, what you can delegate or what you can automate. Right, because not all of it should be done by you. Some of it can be done by computer programs, and some of it can be done by other human beings. When right. the computer program does it, obviously, it's, it, in most cases, it's going to get done 100% of the time. 
But when you have a human being that's doing it, the only other caveat is you need to come up with a way to measure their progress. And it kind of goes back to what you were talking about, is it was easy for some of your program directors to just check the box and say that it was done when it wasn't really done. So uh, that would be the only caveat to that, is when you decide to delegate something to someone, one, make sure there's a way to measure that delegation. Uh, yeah. Two, make sure that there's a way to train them in a way that it's getting done, uh, the way that you want it to. So what I would do is come up with the training and then train them on the training and then watch them do the training. And then, mm-hmm. of course, then you go back and you inspect what you expect. Uh, so the first time around, let's say it's birthday cards, like we have, uh, you know, we, I have my birthday card system, and every Monday we have we send out cards for anybody that has their birthday the next week. We send them a yeah. card that's already, you know, pre-programmed with, with the, what's going to be said in it, but also a uh, little confetti brownie. Uh, it's a birthday brownie package. Right? Yeah, you showed me that. But I, I create, you know, I created a video on how to do it. And then when I train someone, I say, okay, here's the video. Watch it. All right, now use that video, let's do this person. I want to watch you do this person. Right. All right, perfect. Blah, 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 blah. All right, great. Do the next one. And I make sure that they have it dialed in. Um, and then obviously I go back and I inspect that these things are getting done. So I just wanted to throw that out there that, you number one, you don't have to do it all yourself when you come up with these ideas. By the way, if you already have a program director, what I would do is you, there's a huge way you can cut a lot of this out with regards to you having to come up with the systems is why don't you just pay your program director a little bit of extra money to write down what he or she is already doing. So if you don't have it documented, you have them come up with the documentation. You have them come up with the training. You could show them how to uh, screencast and screen record, you know, um, and, 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 and do that so that they do the training. Um, and then you go yeah. watch their training, and I, I'll tell you what, you'll quickly find out whether they're, they know what they're supposed to do and how to do it after you watch their training that they created. And then if it's not the way yeah. you want, you say, look, I want you to add this process in, this process in inside the task, and now re-record it and let me watch it. So you don't have to do it but all. It's funny that you say that because I actually have, a, it's called my procedures manual, and I used to sell it to a lot of school owners. Um, in fact, I sold tons and tons of them and my leadership team when I went to Australia. And it literally was exactly what you said, except with the exception of the videos, right? So, um, you know, how do we answer calls and then the script and then how to do it and what if they object or what do we do and blah, 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 blah. And then at the end of that section on how to do all the phone work, it had a section that says, I fully understand this. I read through it. I've trained on it. And they'd sign off on it. I have to tell you, you know how many times I'd say, how come you didn't do this? They go, I never learned that. I go, you, you signed off on the manual that you learned it. Like, maybe you forgot it or maybe you lied to me. What, is, what, what happened? Oh, I must have forgotten it. Of course, I'm not going to admit to lying. Um, so, yeah, but I, I had a procedures manual in effect because you want to take your people and train them. Think about it like this. And it's just no different. Business systems are no different than how you teach martial arts systems. You don't teach a brand new student how to do a jumping spin over, back, twisting, kick, blah, blah, blah. You know, the no advanced, you know, wheel kick or tornado kick or, you know, anything crazy. Take falls by being thrown in the air because that's going to hurt them and they're going to get injured. So you say, how do I baby step them through? First thing they learn is 
how to fall from sitting. Then they learn how to fall from squatting. Then they learn how to fall from standing. And then they learn how to fall from being thrown. There are systems to training your team and making sure they're the best and the most effective they could ever be to be able to run your school. Or else if you walked away and you went on vacation for three months, you might come back to a burned down building because they don't know how to run the school. And you have to be on top of those things on a regular basis, and you have to train them. Training is everything. How do you expect them to know what to do if you don't train them, right? So Exactly. And, and it's yeah. consistency. A, a good friend of mine, John Gaston, who comes from Illinois as well, Springfield, uh, he's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu guy and a Kempo guy, and he trained with, uh, with Hoist Gracie. And John was frustrated one day, and I, I know he won't mind me talking about this, but he's frustrated with some of his staff, and, uh, and he said to Hoist, you know, like, they just don't get it, man. I tell them to do X, Y, and Z, and they just do X and Y. And so Hoist said to him, he said, you know, the, and, and I don't even want to do the Brazilian accent, but if you ever notice our buddy Kenny Bigby, whenever he starts teaching, he's like, hey, buddy, how you doing? Okay, we're going to do jiu-jitsu now. We're gonna, and he switches into a Brazilian accent. Yeah. I, just, I always joke with him about that. Um, but uh, so I won't do it, you know. Um, but anyway, so uh, Hoist said to John, um, when you teach the choke, do you teach it once? He said, John said, no. He says, you teach it how many times? He says, well, thousands of times. And he says, do you just teach it once and let them practice it a thousand times on their own? Or do you constantly come over and tweak it and add to it and correct it and fix it and make it better each time until eventually they're a master at doing that joke? And he said, yeah, exactly. I do it. I tweak it. I correct them. I fix it. I teach it again and so on. And they drill, drill, drill. And I correct, correct, correct. And eventually they become good at that joke where I can walk away. He, and then Hoist said to John, do you do that in your business? And John was like, not really. I do it a few times. I don't always constantly come over and tweet. I don't constantly teach. I don't constantly review. And then we expect our people to be natural at doing things that were never natural to them before just because we showed them how to do it. Remember one thing, like if you hired a program manager and they're not students of the martial arts, they're just a, an employee, they're going to do your, their job to the best of their ability, and then that's it. They're not going to be addicted. Like I'd ask people when I'd hire them, if I gave you a book or a system to learn how to do whatever, would you read that at home? And they would say yes when it was the interview. And there was one or two that said, no, I, I only work, and I read it at work when I'm being paid to read it, and then I would never hire them, right? So I would say to them, like, would you do this at home? Do you care enough to take a training course on sales to become a better salesperson? And most of the time, people don't. Like, they're selling cars, but they have never taken a sales course. They've never said, i got to become a better you know, salesperson. I'm going to go away for the weekend and go train with Brian Tracy or Zig Ziglar or, you know, Mel Abraham. Um, they just do what they can to the level that they're comfortable with, and then they hope they'll get by on those results. And uh, they don't train to become the best that they could be because they don't really have an interest. It doesn't help them, even though it would because it would make their job better. They'd maybe make more commissions. Etc. Etc. So, so that's my thoughts so far. So anyway, I mean that's really the DNA. Of what do we do? Uh, if you want, Dwayne, I'll just read off a few of the tasks that were on the DNA, so people get a little idea of what some of these tasks are. So I'm on week three. Um, I'm on um, Monday. I'm just going to rattle these off so people could hear them. Um, Monday was check messages, return calls. Second task was confirm trial classes day of and next day, tomorrow. Um, three was missed trial calls. 
and postcards sent out. So the people who didn't come in for their trial calls or, or didn't show up or they didn't call back, call them again. doesn't matter. Every single day we call them. Um, and then postcards sent to the people who never showed up. Uh, we don't do that anymore because we're not doing much mailing. Um, then the, the next thing was a cold lead, like call people that maybe were at a fair or came in for a birthday party and call them and try to get them in. Then do the four 10-week calls, which is retention of existing students, calling them up, making sure they're happy, making sure they don't have questions, and so on. And then upgrade, upgrade calls, letters, and follow-up calls. That was just on Monday, and that's in the order of importance. Tuesday was similar. Check the messages, the same thing day out. Trial classes, same thing each day. Missed trial calls every day. Cold leads every day. And then the next thing was referral calls. Hey, Dwayne, I'm calling to see if you're happy. Oh, I love it. Do you think you could give me a name of a best friend that would like to come in and maybe do class with you? And then the next thing was birthday lotto calls. Um, that's something I'd have to explain, but we would literally give out birthday parties for free, and we'd call it a lotto. You just want a birthday party, um, and you could bring 20 members, and we'll pay for everything. All you guys got to do is uh, bring 20 people, and then we use that as a marketing system. So anyway, long story short, I mean, I would do that Thursday same kind of thing, except we would do more. And then Friday, we would do um, attendance calls. We miss you calls. Um, then we'd send out we miss you cards on that particular day. And then Saturday, um, we put all our purchase orders together. What gear was sold that we needed to order from our suppliers. Um, we would do other things like teacher calls. Like, for example, in our school, um, whenever someone was being promoted, they'd fill out a letter of intent, and the school teachers would sign it and say whether they wanted us to come in and do a visit in their classroom. That became part of our system on a regular basis to get leads and go after things. So those are just one, one week out of five weeks or four, normal, but five sometimes, on what to do on a day-to-day -day basis and get it done. That makes sense? And I can see, yeah, and I could see why, you know, uh, some people would look at that and go, man, it's overwhelming. Um, right. But that's, yeah, that's what they're paid to do. Right, they're right. paid to do that, um, so it's not overwhelming. It's just it's it's their activity that they're getting paid for. So, um, yeah, yeah. And it was I read them all off from from you know every day of the week, but it's only like six tasks on one day, six tasks on another day. Some of them are similar tasks. So the book you ended with you know the letter B, and then you you started with the letter C, um, and you made it simple for them to just go through it all and get it done. So. Um, we should talk more about revitalizing this thing, Dwayne. I think this is some way that we can really train people to help them. But, um, yeah, let's talk about the book. Yeah, so I just want to remind everybody that Allie and I are reading this book this month, uh, Who Not How by Dan Sullivan and uh, Benjamin Hardy. Uh, in two weeks, we're going to talk about what we learned from this book and the action steps and plans that we're going to take and implement because yeah. of this book. So uh, you guys have two weeks to uh, get on the book and finish it so that you, that you can be part of the discussion, you know, exactly what we're talking about. Uh, now, yeah. Allie, you, uh, you had messaged me real quickly. Let's, let's say this. You had messaged me about the book uh, uh, a couple of days ago and, and, and tell the listeners what you said. I'm, should I be honest? Yeah, I want you to be honest. <laughs> so I've been having a hard time with this book. Um, it's not like this, the book is called Who Not How, and, and it's constantly repeating that same who not how and how not who, who not he, who not she, 
and I'm like at the point where I feel like I'm reading a Dr. Zeus novel. Um, and uh, and it, it, for the first two chapters, for me, it was a total disconnect. Like I really did not enjoy it. I'm like, Dwayne, you usually recommend me amazing books. I pick them up, and I love them from the start of the first page. This book was hard to get going, and now that I'm into, like, chapter three and four, it's starting to get more into the nuts and bolts of, of why this is important, of, you know, doing, and I won't explain it because it'll kind of ruin what we're going to talk about and the book itself, but um, now I'm starting to enjoy it more. It's definitely not my most favorite book, but I'm enjoying the content um, in the book and what they're talking about. Um, certain writers, I'm sure with you, Dwayne, it's just they have a certain style of writing, and uh, I'm not big into writers that don't leave anything for the imagination. I'm not big into writers who explain it to the umpteenth detail um, so that I get their point. Like, I want them to leave it open for me to figure it out a little bit on my own and give me some room for interpretation. But um, anyway, so far now it's starting to pick up and I'm starting to enjoy it. So I'll keep you posted Good. on that by, by day yeah, four, I, I mean week four. I appreciate your honesty, you know, so. Yeah. Um, but I'm looking forward to, you said there are certain things in there. You said to me, when we get, when you get around to the impact statements and different things like that, it's going to be like, oh my God, that proverbial light's going to go off in your head. So I'm excited about it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, hey, listeners, uh, go to schoolownertalk.com, type in, uh, uh, in the search box, just type in 186, and uh, you'll find that call that we did with Brent Tibbetts that we referred to today. Uh, we would be remiss if we did not, you know, remind everyone that uh, obviously uh, Spark Membership is our software that we use, and they are a sponsor of our podcast. But not only them, we have uh, Gus from Lead Hunter Media. He's the one that we do all of our Facebook ad campaigns with for our schools. And then lastly, with regards to uh, websites, uh, Elite Websites, that is uh, Ali Alvarez's website. Elite Insights. 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 Excuse me. Yeah. Elite Insights. Insights. Uh, so go to EliteInsight.com, EliteInsights.com uh, in order to check that out. He's got a PDF file that you can download for free to make sure that your website is up and running the way that it needs to be. There's a checklist mm -hmm. in there uh, that, that, that is going to be vitally important because you don't want just just have a banner ad uh, on, your, on your page because that isn't going to bring people in. And uh, if you right. are a martial arts school owner listening to this and you would like information on um, adding health coaching, to your martial arts school. It's a great revenue source. Uh, it, is a, it is a market that is untapped in our schools. So if you'd like information about that, I'd be happy to share that with and, you as well. Can uh, I also add to this, Dwayne, um, with the health coaching too, like listen, so many times we become sedentary as martial arts instructors, right? We, we, we are in great shape. We open our school. We train with our students. We start to do the business. And I read about this. I think it was on one of your posts or someone else's where they said, yeah, I don't really – someone else posted, how many hours a week do you train your own, yourself? And a lot of people I noticed said that I don't have time to train. All I do is run my business. All I do is teach classes. So um, what you're doing, Dwayne, is getting even the school owners – and I know a lot of school owners that are on your program that have started to lose 20, 30 – they're getting back to their fighting weight, so to speak. And they're, they're optimizing their health. Um, you know, if you don't get healthy – there's no sense in making a million dollars unless you're just going to will it to your family, but you're not going to enjoy it with your family because you're going to be out of shape. You're going to get sicknesses and diseases and start to start to deteriorate. So this is a chance for you. I commend you and all the guys that are doing this on getting a lot of martial artists back into fighting 
weight, you know, fighting shape. So uh, if you're a school owner out there, you should be the example, lead by example. Yeah, I call it, uh, one of my instructors, he, he calls it the, incredi- uh, the, the credibility gap. You know, right. there's a gap about this far that, that you know, doesn't allow him to be credible. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's kind of funny. My teacher, Osensei Felix Vasquez, was once competing in a tournament. And he did this beautiful sword kata, and then he lost. And my teacher sometimes could get pretty pretty uh, worked up about it. So he said to the people, the judges, he says, I don't mind losing, he says, but I can't be judged by all of you guys who are wearing size 12 obeds. He says, you have no right to judge me. And then he walked away, and I'm like, oh, my God. He just literally, literally just called them all fat pigs by just saying the size of their belt. So, and then he walked, and he's like, you can't judge me. How dare you, you're fat slob, you know, that kind of thing. So that's exactly there's, what it there's was. There is a credibility gap, I'm just saying. Yep, absolutely, dude. So. All right. All right, buddy. Listen, Thank we'll talk sir. later. You and I will talk uh, during the weekend. You have an amazing day, everyone. Thanks for listening.